It's Tuesday, February 6, 2018. I'm Herbie Newell, and this is the Defender Podcast, a daily encouragement to mobilize and equip the body of Christ to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children. This daily podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, and I'm coming to you from Birmingham, Alabama. Well, recently, it was my privilege to sit down with Emily Chapman Richards, the vice president of Show Hope. And Show Hope is an organization based out of Nashville, Tennessee, and they give grants to families who are in the adoption process, as well as doing orphan care in China and advocacy on college campuses for the orphan and the oppressed. And, And Emily is the eldest daughter of contemporary Christian recording artist Stephen Curtis Chapman. We are so grateful to be joined by Emily Richards, who is the vice president of Show Hope. And what a what a great gift Show Hope is to orphan care community and the foster care community and the adoption community. And so many of our Lifeline families have just been blessed by the stories of, of getting those checks from Show Hope that have helped with their adoptions. And, you know, I, Emily, I don't even know if you realize or if, if y'all have any idea how many times God has used those checks mm-hmm. to be the answer to prayer and how many families I can even tell you that have been praying for a specific amount and didn't know what if Show Hope was even going to fund their <laughs> adoption, and they got the specific amount from Show Hope. And so just, just be encouraged that y'all are being used by the Lord in so many stories. And uh, one of the things I just, I'd love for you to talk to us about is your family experienced adoption, mm-hmm. and you kind of have a high-profile family. Mm-hmm. And so we've heard your dad, Stephen Curtis Chapman, talk a ton about <laughs> Emily leaving notes on our pillow and yeah. Emily encouraging us to adopt. But tell your side of that story and encouraging your parents to adopt. Definitely. Well, thank you very much for having me here. I'm honored um, to be speaking with you. Yeah, so my, my mom and I took a trip to Haiti in 1997, and I was 11 at the time, so I was young. It was my first time to be outside of the States, um, and we went to to meet a child we had been sponsoring through a sponsorship program, and she was my same age. And so all of a sudden, I'm 11, and I'm trying to reconcile in my little head everything I'm seeing in Haiti, but then also I have a friend who's mm-hmm. navigating life without a lot of the support systems mm-hmm. that I just all of a sudden start realizing I take for granted. Right. Like, I have a family. I know where my next meal's mm-hmm. coming from. I have shelter. I am educated. You know, these things that all of a sudden I realize this isn't just a mm-hmm. given for many children in the world. Came home from that trip and um, tried to convince. I did. I did. I started campaigning in a way. <laughs> tried to convince my parents to become missionaries and that we should move overseas. And that is really where, where God had us. And my dad very kindly explained that with his career, that maybe wouldn't necessarily be the, the best way forward. And and I would say, I'd back up and say my dad has always felt, and I knew from a young age, that music for him was a passion and he loves doing it, but it was also very much so he felt called to minister to the body of Christ mm-hmm. through music. And so it really is his ministry. Mm-hmm. It has been. And so he very much so felt, you know, this is my calling to minister to the body here and um, through music. And so that maybe that's not exactly what it is. So I shifted and there was a family on that trip um, that are dear friends and they were in the process of mm-hmm. adopting. And so I thought, huh, maybe that's what we can, uh, how our family can respond to the need that I saw. And so began praying. And you know what, Herbie, it's really interesting. I'm I'm older than 11 now and still wish I could get back to the 
conviction I felt Mm -hmm. when I was praying at that time. I felt so convicted that this was what our family was supposed to be about and and what how our family was supposed to expand and grow and that there was a sister for me somewhere in the world and I was praying I was praying fervently and I was relentless I wrote letters I left them on my pill my parents pillows it's all true I told my parents they could be living in disobedience to God's will I had my brother sign a petition saying that that yes they would indeed help change diapers and get up early and make bottles that like we're all in this together and it wasn't working it wasn't working and um fine it was about two years into my campaign I actually went and met with my pastor because I was so <laughs> frustrated. I'm like, it says in the Bible, if you ask, it will be given unto you. And and I have been asking, and this is not happening. He said, if he, Emily, it's, if it's the Lord's will, it will be given unto you. And so maybe let's pray for God's will to be done in your family. And, and let's let God direct that. And I mean, you've tried really hard. Yeah. So like, let's make sure God's directing this. And it was, it was pretty miraculous. It was in those moments of kind of letting go and saying, okay, God, if this is your idea, I think it's a really great one, but God, if this is actually you, you're going to have to do some major, Hmm. major shifting um, of the tide here. Hmm. And through a crazy series of miraculous events and only things that God could do um, really turned my parents' hearts, more so my mom's, because I think there was a lot of fear there Mm -hmm. that a lot of... um, moms considering expanding their family through adoption do wrestle with um and and so she really her heart started changing and softening to the idea and in 2000 we were in china and and welcomed showy into our family and then 2003 stevie joy joined our family in 2004 maria so crazy and it changed the whole fabric of your family yes i mean even to what you do today yeah is is a part of god burdening you as an 11-year-old girl to pray for your family. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I know that a lot of people look at your family and it's beautiful. And obviously I've had tragedy, but it's beautiful. And, you know, and you've got the songs and, mm-hmm. you know, the, the girls are just beautiful girls. And mm-hmm. so people can think adoption's picture perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think even as you say, your mom especially with your dad's busy travel. I mean, so yeah, much of that yeah, yeah, yeah. was going to be on her. Right. Uh, because she's at home. She's mm-hmm. she's bearing that burden. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people can look at that and say, well, I should adopt because it's beautiful and I'll be writing mm. songs and, you know, all types of things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, right. but there is a struggle yeah. that's there. And so talk a little bit about just the the, the beauty, but also the ashes of of adoption. Right, right. Well, I think um, I think we're learning better as as organizations and the church um, to go into adoption eyes wide open, mm. and and in the sense that if we're going to champion um, this as a beautiful picture of, of the gospel lived out, as a way, there's children that need and have a right mm. to a family, and they need a family. Uh, we we need to equally <laughs> as as that we need to also say and it's really hard and so you need to know that you know that you know that you're called to get into the river (laughs) so that when the tide is rising and the white caps start you know all of a sudden you're in the middle of you know class five rapids it's like oh I know that I know that I know that I was called into this river and so I think for us yes you referenced the tragedy of course the accident was um, when we lost our youngest sister was incredibly difficult and continues to to have those ripples of 
of loss and grief that we mm. continue to feel to this day and in a way profoundly impacted my sisters it impacted all of us but mm-hmm. my sisters who experienced loss at an early age and being separated from their biological family only a couple years later right. they experienced another tragic loss and so that certainly um, compounded just the, the grief in their own hearts and how we help them steward that mm. story well I think I think what is important when you're considering adoption um, and, and, and the hard that can be a part of it is that we're still learning how to even talk about mm-hmm. it and we're still learning how to even put words around the, our experiences mm-hmm. as adoptive families or families that are built um, through adoption. And so I think there can be a loneliness mm-hmm. a little bit in the journey um, because it's just different mm-hmm. and it doesn't mean it's wrong it doesn't mean it's terrible or bad but it's it's just different and there's unique um, elements that come into play um, especially mm-hmm. for my parents as they're raising now teenage daughters mm-hmm. in an age of social media and all the just digital bombardment that's happening and mm-hmm. they're trying to navigate life with teenagers which like that's already beauty and ashes in and of itself. And then you've got this extra narrative on top of um, my, yeah, my sisters are Chinese. And so there's that we're part of a transracial family and they're trying to navigate life in a predominantly white school. And what does that look like? And, and questions around that. And so I think um, all of that needs to be in our minds when we're considering stepping into the world of adoption and realizing that, um, there's also just not a quick fix like right. it and but that's like life in general so as long as you can keep a perspective of like we all have our crazy and we all are like mm-hmm. hoping we arrive at like right. okay we we got it sorted like this is not it's not gonna happen like we're we're trying to find the garden and like we're not gonna find it right. yet right. and and so if we can keep that perspective then I think um, mm-hmm. And I think my parents have modeled a really healthy way in, in internally in the closed doors of there being space for like, oh, we wish we had found the garden mm-hmm. and we haven't, you know, yeah. and it's okay to have those questions. Like when it gets dark, especially after the accident, my parents really modeled a vulnerable faith for us. Like, mm-hmm. God, we don't see you in that. Like, this is really hard and we have a lot of questions, but like, we're going to tell our own hearts mm-hmm. that we trust you. Like, we're going to tell, it's like David in the Psalms, like, Mm -hmm. I will still trust you, God. Uh You know, like, he's having to preach the gospel to his own heart. And I think there's times that 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 happens um, in adoption and, I mean, parenting in general. But uh, I think keeping that eternal perspective and realizing um, that we all, we're all on the journey is really helpful. Yeah, I think that that vulnerability is when we can disciple the most Mm -hmm. because, you know, when people just see our lives and they think, oh, you've got it all together, and they don't see that vulnerable faith, uh, it, it it loses opportunities to help them strengthen and bolster their reliance upon the Lord. And David does that well in the Psalms, like you said. And, you know, I, I, I just so encouraged by show hope, not just from what you're doing for families financially, mm-hmm. but also the empowered to connect yeah. and what Dan and Terry have especially yeah, yeah. done. To, to really bring the education piece mm-hmm. there. But even before we talk about that, so a lot of families that consider adopting or fostering, mm-hmm. they go, well, I do have other biological children, and how's right. that going to affect them? And, uh, you know, obviously you your situation is a little bit different mm-hmm. because your mom and dad didn't come and say, hey, Emily, 
we're going to adopt, but <laughs> right. you were praying for them for years right. that they would adopt. But still, talk about some of the things that, again, especially your mom and your dad as well, really did to help as a, as a sibling make adoption something that was, 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 was a good thing in your family. So you're right. We were, all, we were all very excited. I can still remember our parents sitting us down and saying, okay, we feel like God's putting us on this path, and this path is called adoption, and we're going to keep moving forward, and there's a lot of paperwork, and there's a lot of hurdles, and as long as the doors open at each of those hurdles, we'll keep moving forward, to which my mom you know, she sort of spoke up at that moment. It was like, and if the doors close, we stop moving forward. <laughs> you know, it was just, she was she was very much a moving forward in faith mm. that there was this um, compelling from the Lord and mm. the Spirit that they should move forward, but still holding intention, that fear of what does this look like? Anyways, I mean, I can remember my brothers and I jumping up and cheering. <laughs> yes, yes, we won. No, just kidding. Um, and so, so that is, you, you're right to say it's a little bit different. And I would also say the community that we come from, there is a very um, uh, deeply accepting of and full of families that have expanded through adoption. And so I think you also have to put that caveat in. So it was definitely already in my framework of understanding how that families can grow this way and that right. way and and grew up with, I already referenced, the Coleys. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the family I referenced earlier in the Haiti story. I mean, we knew mm-hmm. families that, that were um, bringing children home through adoption. So it wasn't super foreign to me. Um, so that, I think all those caveats are necessary. To then say, uh, early on, my parents just, fr- they framed the narrative around adoption in a really... Um, life-giving way and in a way that was really honoring Mm -hmm. of all parts of the story and so um you know showy came home and early on it was uh you know emily kayla and will came to me through our my tummy Mm -hmm. and you came to me through our my heart and in all of our hearts you were born and god placed Mm -hmm. us here and so there was just sort of this bedrock of uh, honoring Mm -hmm. how she came into our family I think something that my parents, um, and, and partly because of the work we've been able to do through Show Hope in China, um, we've been back to China a handful mm-hmm. of times. And so, and early on, I mean, the girls, I can remember flying with them when they were very young, two, three, <laughs> and actually all got sick on the airplane, which was crazy. But, I mean, I have memories with them very young going back and making China part of their mm-hmm. story. Um, and in a way, I think that's another thing that adoptive families have to kind of find that line, especially families that are adopting um, internationally, how do you honor the culture that your children come from, but also like be realistic about the fact that you're raising them in a different culture, right. you know, like fi- like that really fine line. And so, um, but early on, my parents fostered an, an appreciation for Chinese culture, not in a way that, um, not in a way that like put it on a pedestal because right. there were some, some things in the culture we don't agree right. with, particularly as Christians, but um, they did a great job in in honoring that for my sisters, um, and so I think I think it was just part of the conversation early on, and that that gave us a bedrock of excitement. And mm. this is how our family is going to grow. We knew early on we were all in. It was not a we're going to do this, and we hope you guys uh, kind of jump on board. It was. I mean, it was very much a family conversation each time my family uh, chose to to adopt and. 
we expect, this is what mm. we expect, this is what it's going to look like. It's not mom and dad do this. This is all of us in right. it together. And so it's going to look like some Saturday mornings, mom and dad are going to be really tired and you're going to get up and do early morning cartoon duty and milk <laughs> duty, you know, like, and we did like there was, Hey, you can go to the football game Friday night, but you're, you're with your sisters in the morning. It was like, okay. Which most of my high school friends thought you're crazy. And I'm like, you know what? It's, this is how we're doing family. Like, right. this is how we're going to do it. So fast forward to Maria coming home. I'm a senior in high school. It's supposed to be like, I'm supposed to get all the attention. They set us down and say, hey, I think God's leading us toward expanding again, our family. And there's this little girl in China. And I was not excited. I was not on board, which is funny. I come full circle and and um, really struggled with like, this is supposed to be my year. Mm. And... I'm a senior, like you're going to bring her home and I'm not really going to get to know her well and off to college I go and what's that going to look like? It was all very selfish. Um, And God was very gracious to slowly move me toward a place of you, mom and dad, stand someday before the Lord and you have to answer for the ways that you felt that that he was calling you and how you built your family and how you carried that out. And someday I will do that with my children, right? right? And my family. But if if you feel that this is indeed something God's leading in, I'm my my commandment is to honor you in that. And right. so I honor you in it. I'm a little confused and it took some time to get there. And by the time she came home, I mean, jumping up and down again and yeah. excited and um and fat, crazy. She came home just a couple months before I left for college. And I don't know how it happened, but some, somehow randomly I graduated college a semester early and everybody, oh, you're so smart, you're so smart. No, no, I really, like, I don't know how it happened. I graduated semester early, but Maria ended up passing away the May that I would have graduated. And so the Lord was very gracious to bring me home in January and I was able to have a season with her um, that I wouldn't have yeah. been able to have. And so you look back on those little things and... and God's working in really mysterious ways, but so I I credit my parents um, a lot for the way that they, and and we just were all on board, you know, it's part of it. It's family. Yeah. And, and you realize that even through those hard moments that in in the silent ways and the ways sometimes you don't see it at the time, what a beautiful realization that is, that the Lord's weaving that story. Right. And even like you talked about before, when your parents like, we just don't see God in this right now. To now be able to look back and see his fingerprints all over it. All over it. And how he was undergirding you guys yeah. and preparing you guys for that. And so just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing. Well, undergirding is what Show Hope is doing really <laughs> for so many people that mm. feel called to get engaged. Mm. And uh, I've had the privilege of going to Maria's big house. Uh, just incredible work that's being done mm. there. Obviously, the Empowered to Connect Mm. the the grants for families yeah just you know tell us how show hope from the vice president is <laughs> is really what the call and the mission is and the things yeah. the lord's been allowing you guys to be a part of definitely so show hope really was birthed in my parents heart in those early days when we came home after adopting showy and so many families i mean they hadn't even made it from that was that she came home right before September 11th. So it was, everybody was at the gate mm-hmm. <laughs> at the airport. We didn't make it from the gate to the car. And there had been probably four or five families that came up to my parents and said, man, we would really love to grow our family through adoption. And we really, we've got the resources to raise another child. We've got room at the table. We've got the minivan. 
Um, but we just don't have the money to get over that initial hurdle. And, you know, my we have just come from China. We've seen, we, we had the chance to visit um, the place mm-hmm. Shoei was being cared for at. And, and so mom's heart and mind are, is racing. And it's like, well, money should not ever be mm-hmm. what stands between children that, that need and, and we know are in a place that need a family mm-hmm. and families that are qualified and ready to bring those children home. Mm-hmm. And so my dad jokes, mom started writing personal checks and my dad couldn't write enough songs to keep <laughs> up with the checks. And that's really how it started. It was like, what you're telling me money's all that's standing? Oh, hold on, wait a minute, that can't be. Um, and so started realizing, well, there's actually a really profound need here for mm-hmm. families to overcome that financial hurdle. And so my parents looked around for an organization that was financially partnering with families, and there wasn't one at the time, specifically families that are adopting. And so that's where Show Hope was birthed. They were not looking to, to start an organization, but it was, okay, we got to help families, and there's clearly a need here. And so um, started in 2003 with the specific vision and mission to help Christian families um, help care for orphans by engaging the church and reducing barriers to adoption. And so what those barriers have looked like, primarily the financial barrier through the work of our adoption aid grants, um, and we've we've been able to help now, it's almost, it's right over 5,800 kids wow. come home through adoption aid grants. I mean, you talk about, I, I can clearly remember sitting around the, the dining room table and mom and dad kind of unfolding this vision for us and saying, wouldn't it be cool if we could help a hundred families? <laughs> and we were like, yeah, that would be epic. And I still, I still, I'll never forget, you know, growing up, you got stopped from time to time at restaurants. Like, oh, hey, are you Stephen Curtis Chapman? Can we get your autograph? And that was always fun. It made you feel proud as a kid. Like, oh, hey, my dad's so cool. <laughs> I'll never forget. We were in Disney World. We were in MGM Studios or whatever they call it now. Um, and a family stopped us, and it was a family we didn't know at all. And they said, you don't know us, but we got we just got a Show Hope grant. And, I mean, our, we were like, yeah! <laughs> like, I've never been so proud that to, to have my parents be recognized for the work of, mm. of a Show Hope Adoption Aid grant. So that was that. that's the initial, and still to this day, give grants to um, Christian families that are adopting. Um, and through that, realize not every, not every kid is going to be able to experience mm being welcomed into a family through adoption, and nor is it the best solution for every child. And so through that, um, the work of the care centers, which you referenced, Maria's Big House of Hope, began. And that's China-specific. It's where mom and dad felt called because of where our story is. And there's been um, incredible favor working in partnership with uh, New Hope Foundation, a group there. And um, so the work of the care centers began, and we care for children with acute medical and special needs at those care centers um, and advocate. Not only do we hope that we are able to improve quality of life in the moment, but also advocate for them to hopefully have paperwork processed um, for adoption. And again, we've, we've, by God's grace, we've cared for a little over 2,500 kids wow. over the history of the care centers, seven, a little over 700 to date um, of those children we know have been adopted mm-hmm. into families, which is, yeah. which are children that probably otherwise would have not necessarily had right. that opportunity. And, and you know that well from the work you guys do. And so that, that was, that's reducing the medical barrier for those mm-hmm. children and, and, and the knowledge barrier in a way, because we advocate you know, through social media or whatever for these children um, in, in ways that families are exposed to their stories and might feel compelled to inquire, like, hey, what's this kid's story mm-hmm. that otherwise would not have necessarily had that opportunity. Um, and then 
we we start walking our journeys out and Dan and Terry Coley are with us and say, guys, this is, we cannot keep championing this without proper education and context around um, what we now know uh, with early, the experiences of mm-hmm. early childhood trauma and how it affects body, brain, behavior, belief system of children. And so how are we going to do that? So that's the, our pre and post adoption efforts, which you referenced, the Empowered to Connect conference, um, which we try to get the resources of, mm-hmm. of um, Dr. Karen Purvis's work in the hands of prospective adoptive families, educators, in professionals, anybody in that kind of support system around the child, like let's go into this eyes wide open and realize that there's some different factors at play for our children. And so how do we engage in, in that meaningfully? So that's the work of the pre and post adoption. Um, we get every family that applies for a grant, whether they end up receiving a grant, whether the qualified or not receives a letter, an email from us with a link, free copy of the connected child if you request mm-hmm. it resources to, to some videos that um, are on TCU's mm-hmm. webs, website because it's our duty to right. to give whatever we can to help resource you in the adoption mm-hmm. journey. Um, and then we, we engage students and try to, especially right now we've got this cool, we're, we're kind of uh, piloting this pause campaign, which is like a week of, we're encouraging students to take a week and pausing from social media. And there's a, we have a curriculum that goes along that's a really, it's just a real kind of entry point mm-hmm. curriculum around what is the global orphan crisis? What do we mean when we talk about that? What are some ways we can respond? Um, what is our responsibility as believers to mm-hmm. that? And um, just kind of a way that we're trying to educate the next generation of leaders around this issue and hopefully sort of change the tide of the conversation a little bit. And mm-hmm. so, um, cause it all started in the heart of a student. And so mm-hmm. it's part of what Show Hope does. So. Well, Emily, I just, thanks for being here and talking to yeah. us, but what, what a, what a great testimony of God's goodness mm-hmm. that as 11 year old in Haiti, <laughs> I mean, really to look at the hand of the Lord and look back and to see not just 58 families now that mm-hmm. have been helped to adopt 58 kids have come mm-hmm. home mm-hmm. through those prayers. Mm-hmm. What the wisdom of your pastor <laughs> to even right. change that prayer to say, Lord, let your will be done. Right. And now to see what God has accomplished. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just, I want to give a testimonial to say, I know a lot of people see higher profile families mm-hmm. and, and, you know, they think, well, these are just really nice graphics and these are really nice numbers. Mm-hmm. But as an organization, I can 100% say that it's true stuff. Like I, Maria's Big House mm-hmm. is just the excellence. I, I was able to actually be there a day that, that surgery was happening mm-hmm. and to awesome. see just the meticulous nature mm-hmm. of the way that's been designed. And so we're just, we're grateful for you and grateful mm-hmm. for Show Hope and most importantly, grateful for the work that the Lord has done to answer that prayer as an 11-year-old. Well, so. thank you. We we couldn't be happier to be partnering with you guys. We are fans of Lifeline, so keep doing the good work you guys are doing. So thanks. Thank you. Well, thanks for listening to the Defender Podcast. For more information or to connect with me, please visit HerbieNewell.com. To partner with Lifeline, visit LifelineChild.org. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at LifelineChild.org. Beloved, will you allow God to use the gospel to you to impact the life of a child? Please contact us because we are here to defend the fatherless. We'll see you again tomorrow for the Defender Podcast.